Thank you. Lovely to be here. Um, I'm going to keep the blinds down because I want to show you some photos in a minute. So, I got a text yesterday from my sister, um, and uh, said part of a church up in Norfolk that we were with recently, but um, and been having good, good interactions with. This was a text from yesterday. Um, it's about a, a lady who's in their church. And this is the story. She says she damaged her knee really badly skiing several years ago and has suffered with it ever since. Recently, she felt God say to her that he would heal it with a whistle. Anyway, last week, she heard her youngest daughter whistling in the house, which was unusual, so she decided to go for it. She asked Lydia to put her hand on her knee and whistle, and her knee was healed. Isn't that good? So that just reminded a little bit of um, Rob and Vicky spoke last week. Did a fantastic job. If you weren't here last week and haven't listened to that, it's worth listening to on, on, on from the website. Then uh, she was talking about the way God speaks to us, and God speaks through earring. Well, I think He speaks whistle as well. So that was, which is good. Okay, so uh, um, I'm going to share some photos with you. So if we drop the house lights a bit, and then oh, there we go. So I want to I want you to tell me what you can see in in this photo. Kim, yes, there's Kim, that's Kim, that's definitely Kim, and some of you really? What else can you see there? Trees, okay, trees, Kim and trees, okay, let's have the next photo. There's whatever it is without Kim. Okay, next one. And the next one. And the next one. And the last one, there's Kim, back again, who's Kim with? Who did you think she was with at the beginning? <laughs> Some trees. That's metal, actually. It's not trees. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> we, uh, we visit this place. It's in South Africa. It's actually one of the... Uh, it's a monument to Nelson Mandela at the museum um, to, uh, to, about Nelson Mandela. And uh, we go back to the first photo. Is that right? There we go. Come, we, you, you are... Uh, the path that you go along to, brings you from this perspective. And you're walking along to this, you think, what's this all about, really? Um, and, uh, but then the path drives you around to look at it from another perspective, and you actually get to see what it really is. Um, and I wonder, I wonder how many people have actually walked along just out and think, don't get this, and then walk back. And never actually got it. Never realized they were right next to Nelson Mandela. Okay, we're going to go on to the next lot of pictures. How, how would you describe that lady? Grumpy? You, you, you probably wouldn't probably wouldn't say, "Well, there's a beauty right there." That's a <laughs> grumpy. There's a beauty. Let, 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 let's turn that picture upside down, shall we? Let's put those side by side. That's exactly the same picture. It's amazing what looking at something from a different perspective will do. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is, that today is actually getting the right perspective on things. How do you look at things? How do you approach life? What perspective do you have upon it? Um, and uh, I'm going to show you a bit of my, about my week. So uh, last Sunday I was here and, and um, I was... Uh, 
planning in the afternoon, I was going to go and help my daughter, Kerry, uh, move uh, in London. She needed to move out of her flat in London, and so we got that lined up, and uh, I was going to go and help her. And uh, I was having a chat with Celia, actually, and we were just going down those stairs over there. It's about 11 o'clock in the morning, and I got a phone call, which I thought, was unusual. My dad phoned me up. Dad doesn't normally phone me on my mobile communication device, as I've just been learning. <laughs> and uh, it, it was actually from my dad's home, but it wasn't my dad. It was paramedics who were there. And uh, kind of long story short, I needed to dash down and be with him and uh, get him admitted to hospital. Um, and it wasn't a fun day. It was a completely out of the blue experience. Um, he's elderly. He's, he's not, not, not young, but um, got him in and I didn't know how it was going to go. Kind of long story short, actually, you know, he went through great medical care and God's interaction. Particularly on, when I went back on Monday, I was amazed <laughs> at how I found him on Monday compared to how he was on Sunday. And uh, he was up and about, and I thought, wow, because I honestly thought, you know, he wouldn't be at that stage. And got him home uh, on Friday, which was great, so he's back home and stuff. But that, that, was, that was interrupted my week bit. I think I had to, be the, I had to do almost like four days down in Broadstairs, which I had quite a bit scheduled for this week anyway, because um, yesterday I was uh, speaking at a conference here, which was great, actually. Anybody at the Wholehearted Conference? That was great. I enjoyed myself, and then I had to dash down to, to, to actually um, take a wedding. Um, so we were at Nicole Cricket's wedding yesterday, which was fantastic. I know some of you were there, but it was a great day. Um, I had some other things going up in the middle of this. You're throwing things. And do you know the Bible promises you something for every day? It's not a promise, but it's a reality check. So Jesus said that every day has enough trouble of its own. You don't, you don't have to go looking for more. Every day is, is, is going to present you with a challenge. Every day has, has troubles. And um, how, you, how you tackle those, the perspective you, 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 you view those through, yeah, is, is actually going to dictate some of the outcomes that, that, that these things have upon you. Um, so I say every, every day is an opportunity to prove the goodness of God or to worry. It really depends on which angle you see things from. So um, when I was training to be a doctor... Um, one of the things, obviously, they trained us to do was, was read x-rays. And, um, so, but if you want to read something to find when something's not right, you have to look at the normal first. It's like banknotes. If you want to find a forgery, you actually have to be very familiar with, with, with the normal. So, so they were showing us all these normal x-rays. So you know, these young medical students, keen and eager to learn, got some knowledge. We were keen to put it into practice. And so they were showing us all these, these, these normal x-rays, which was okay, but we really wanted to see the stuff. You know, yeah, this, all this normal stuff, good, but actually, when are we going to get to see the stuff? You know, when are we going really, to diagnose something on an X-ray? Uh, so, so they they were showing us all, this. and then all of a sudden they showed us this this X-ray. It was a chest X-ray, and obviously in the chest you've got heart, lungs, ribs, and you know, and and normally, obviously the the, the lung fields are, are clear because there's just air in them. But in this X-ray, there's this whacking great mass lump in, in, on this x-ray. And we're all going, oh! Okay, because we're kind of perversely excited that we're actually stepping into doctor mode rather than just normal. What, what could be wrong? So, 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 so our lecturer was saying, so what do you think this is? And we were coming up with all sorts of exotic ideas. And, you know, this could be this, it could be that. and It could have been. Then, then they showed us the x-ray, because normally when you do chest x-ray, you don't just do one from the front, you do one from the side as well. Well, they showed us a side x-ray. It was actually some metal thing that they put behind the person. It wasn't even in the chest. 
it was actually, it was completely, so, so we've been guessing at some horrendous disease and trying to show off our expertise, but actually this thing wasn't even in the person's body that we were seeing. It was, and I thought, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because when you see something from some perspective, where, where you can place it can be in completely the wrong context. And most, most, most problems can get exaggerated in our minds by, by placing them in the wrong perspective. And uh, so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about it. It's, this is a, a follow-on, in many ways, from um, a sermon I preached a couple of weeks ago here on a Sunday evening, um, which I entitled, We Are Not Grasshoppers, and you'll understand why uh, that's important, why that's, uh, that's the, sermon, that, the title of that sermon as I go through. Uh, but I want, want to ask you a few questions just as we go. So how are you viewing your life circumstances at the moment? All right, good. Yeah, all right. Yeah, no, they're, 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 I'm not trying to take away. There are circumstances. It's, it's how you view them. How are they, what, what, what impact are they having upon you and what impact are you having upon them? That, that's a, um, would you describe yourself as a half full or half empty person? Half full, half full. Now, in one sense, the answer is, is the same. Because it's, it's, if you're half full, you're, you are actually half empty. But we know what we mean by that. It's, it's actually, are you approaching things from positive, what I've got, or from what I haven't got perspective? Um, how do you view, view your failures or perceived failures? <laughs> yeah, are they things that knock you down or are they stepping stones? I love, love um, a quote by Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, the guy who sort of um, invented the light bulb. Um, and a um, bit of a process. And he said this, um, I have not failed... I've just found 10,000 ways that will not work. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> he, he didn't fail. Why? He was on a journey and he was going to get there. Just, just, there, there was staging posts on the journey. Now, what would have, you know, I, I don't know whether it was literally 10,000. Imagine he'd given up after 5,000. Now, I don't know if somebody else would have managed to invent the light bulb, but it might have taken the time. There will be delays in, 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 in things. So the perspective on life. How about how do you view your dreams? What dreams have you got? What life dreams have you got? Has God given you dreams? You're all looking quite blankly at me. So I'm, 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 has God given you dreams? Yeah, he has. I, how do I know he's given you dreams? Because it tells you when you receive the spirit, the power will come upon you, and actually he releases dreams and visions. It's, it's, an, it's an inevitable part of Christianity. That, but what do you do with those dreams? How do you, what, what lens do you see them through? And um, what I find it's really common within our culture is that people will try to, to um, get you to, to, to look at your, your dreams uh, through, through the realism, uh, through the lens of being realistic. So let, let's get realistic about this. <laughs> now, most people, when they're saying, let's be real, let's just answer this question. Are they trying to accelerate your dream or put the brakes on the dream? It's usually the brakes, because their definition of reality is, is, is let's, 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 let's face the challenges. You really haven't got all you need for that, and you, this would be huge. You know, you're probably biting off more than you can chew. You're getting a bit too big for your boots, you know, that, all those sorts of ideas. You, you know, who do you think you really are? You know, that's, you're a dreamer. You're a dreamer is not normally a positive thing, is it? Do you know what I'm saying? Just even the word, oh, you're a bit of a dreamer. He's a bit of a dreamer. A bit, a bit of a dreamer, yeah. People get, people get dismissed, because why? Because, oh, yeah, he's, he's just a bit fanciful. One of those entrepreneurial talks. 
So what sort of realism does God live in? Do you know God's, God's, God's view upon your dreams? Is that actually he's going to do more than that? Because he's going to do more than you could ever ask or imagine. So God, God's view on your dream is more, not less. He dreams bigger than you do in the first place. And his, his, his opinion of you is much higher than yours. A friend of mine, Andy Merrick, a few years ago, God said to him, God said to him I, I, he said, I'm really going to, it's all going to almost shake you to the core. And he said, he said well, what's he going to do? He's going to unravel, you know, gonna, something, something wrong in my life. No, no, God said, no, I'm going to shake you to the core because I'm going to reveal just how my opinion is of you. That's, that's a reality check. How high is your opinion of you? Does it ever amaze you when, when Jesus said, actually, I'm going back, you know, I'm leave, I'll leave the job to you, tw- the 12 of you. Yeah, you read it. Read it. You got, you'd, <laughs> you'd, have a, you'd have good cause for a reality check. You're thinking, what? Those 12, that, that, hey. No, they were the guys he chose to change the world. He chooses us to change the world. So what, what resources do you have? Um, when, when Jesus went to Nazareth, his hometown, what do you think was on offer for, for, for Nazareth at that moment in time? Everything. How much of Jesus was available to them? Everything. How much did they get? Very little. Very, very little. Now, it's, it's interesting, you read the story, it's in, 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 I think it's Mark chapter 6, and it says that actually he goes there, and they're amazed. So they're amazed at the fact that he does miracles, they're amazed by his teaching, and then they go, well, where do you learn this stuff? And it's there. It's, where do we learn this stuff? Because the implication is he didn't learn it here. But he had been in their synagogue many times. But somehow, he's gone away, and all of a sudden, he's the miracle worker, he's teaching with authority, he's got masses of people following him, got a reputation. <coughs> And so how, how do, what, what perspective do they have on Jesus? So, so, so they say, okay, we know who he is. What, what, what things do they say about him? Well, they say, well, we, actually, he's, he's Mary's son. Ah, we know his brothers and sisters, and he's the carpenter. So the only, only perspective they're putting on him is human. Just a human reality check. So, so we, he's, he's a carpenter. <clears throat> he's Mary's boy, and we know his brothers and sisters. How come he's doing miracles? Because that comes from God. So they knew it. There was a, there was a, 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 a consequence of a belief system, and, and they couldn't get to grips with, with, with the reality. So it says they were offended by him. Not just they didn't accept him, but they, they got offended by him. And then it says, this is the shocking thing of Nazareth, is that Jesus could not do any miracles there. Was that a shock to you? It looks like it is. Jesus could not do miracles. Why? Because they had the wrong perspective. It says, except he healed a few people, which for us would be a great meeting. (laughs) Might write books about it. Live off it for a few few years, really. No, the whole of Jesus was available. I would suggest that the ones who actually got healed were those who managed to break out of, of, of the perspective that, that, that was being imposed upon them and they decided they were going to touch Jesus and get healed. And it takes courage to break out of, of perspectives, cultural realities. It, it takes pioneers who are willing to, to crack through. And 
And I want, want us to make sure we, we're never those that are offended because we just stick on what we already know. We're not ready for what God is revealing next. I know many years ago I resolved in my own heart that in my own life I, I, I resolved I would never be a Nazareth. That I would never get offended by what God was going to reveal next of himself. I might not understand. It might challenge me. It often does. But actually he is who he is. And it's up to me to line myself up with who he is. So my perspective on God needs to be God's perspective on who he is. Just, he reveals himself. So I line myself up with his revelation of who he is. The best perspective you can have on God is God's. So, can you bring up Luke 8.18, Jeff? Okay, so this, this is a really helpful verse. I want, you to, I want you to just read it before I read it out. Okay, had time to read that? Now, I want you to be honest. I don't need a show of hands necessarily, but how many of you think that doesn't seem very fair? Go, go, show of hands. Think, read that thing. Oh, hold on a minute, that's not very fair. You know? Whoever has gets more, and whoever hasn't, even what they have, get taken. That doesn't sound really fair. How come God's like that? That's not right. That's not my Jesus. That's, that's wrong. That's not just. <clears throat> and I remember I used to be really confused by that verse. I was. I didn't dismiss it. I was just confused by it. But actually then somebody helped me understand it. But it, it, the key to that verse is actually the first sentence. Consider carefully how you're listening. So which way are you processing the information that's being given to you right now? Okay, so I'm going to say, every one of you is listening to the same sermon right now. It's how you listen to it that will determine the outcome in your life. It's what you do. How you process the information coming your way right now is, is, is going, to, going to determine the fruit. I'm not saying this is you know, the best sermon you ever hear, but there's some good stuff in it, so take it. Take it from... <laughs> But, you know, there's stuff available here that if you process it, you get more. Why? Because God wants to give you more. But what happens if you process it and think, yeah, wasn't a great sermon. Not sure I've got anything to learn from that guy. Well, actually, you won't. The testimony I wrote, I read out about you know, that lady getting healed. Now, that's an opportunity for you. How have you listened to that? Because if you listen to that, I think, my goodness, God can heal people. That's amazing, even with a whistle. A whistle's not a technique. That was faith because God had told her that he was going to do that. So the answer is that. So now, if, you can all start whistling and you think, oh, God's going to heal people. He might not do it that way because he might be waiting for you to tune into what he's, he's, he's saying. But that story is an opportunity for you to grow in faith. Every one of you. But if you think, if you're offended by the fact that maybe somebody you pray for hasn't got healed, then, then what you just had, you will lose. <clears throat> Another way I could say this. Say, imagine I gave you a ten-pound a note. Don't all rush me at the end. You come to me at the end of this, this meeting, I give you a ten-pound note. But by the time you've got to your car, you've somehow lost it. Because you haven't, you haven't stewarded it. Well, you haven't guarded it. You haven't... Um, Whose who's fault's that? Not mine. No, not my fault. <laughs> and often people interact with God. God gives them things and then they say somehow they lose them. But it's not God's fault. 
and I wanted this, if you don't steward things well, you will lose things. That, that's a shock. That, that how your life works out spiritually is actually in your hands. It's not in the responsibility of church leaders' hands, other people's hands. It's actually your responsibility how your life works out. I'll just I'll throw this one out there. One of the things that blocks people more than anything I know is when they view life through the lens of being a victim. It's massive. And I find a lot of Christians do that. Victims of this, that, the other, churches, leaders. This is, well, I'm not saying it's all right or all wrong, but actually it's still in your hands. So... Let's move on to a story. Can, Jeff, can you bring up um, the story number 13? Okay, so this is in number 13. The context of this is, is that uh, this is the Israelite nation that God has brought out of Egypt, and then they've, they've gone through the wilderness, and they're still en route for the promised land at this moment in time. They've... they've <laughs> made a few mistakes on the way. Golden calf was a kind of big one. You know, <laughs> not, not a great moment in, in their history. Do you know what? What's well, amazing? Who, who turned that moment around? Moses did. Ah, it was extraordinary leadership on Moses' part. He wasn't involved in, 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 in the misdemeanor, if you can call it that. Because but, but, the outcome of, of the golden calf, even that God, you know, Moses got God to almost relent. It's an amazing story of how prayer works. That's right. And then God says, okay, well, you can still have the promised land, and I'm going to send an angel. The angel is going to guarantee you victory, but I'm not going. Moses says, well, if you're not going, we're not going. So he manages to persuade God to go with them. So not only have they got an angel that's already guaranteed them victory, they've got God. So you think, well, we're... This, should, this is sounding good. Yeah, That's the context. So that they get to the place, and they send 12 spies into, into the land. Caleb... Um, you can read it in one sense, Joshua alongside. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. There's a perspective. But the men who had gone up with him, so there's ten of them, said, we can't attack these, those people. They are stronger than we are. There's a perspective. What's that perspective lacking? God. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. You know, when, when you start to focus on the negative, it normally gets exaggerated. Somehow, this land flowing of milk and honey is going to be the land that devours you. All the people we saw there are of great size. Probably not true. Do you know, when you start to see a problem and it's a big one, you see everything through that lens. Oh, my word, I've got big problems. You should see the problems I've got. Man, they're big, 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 big. Whoa. Big, 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 big problem. No, you might have a big problem. Let's get in perspective. Not all of life has suddenly become a problem overnight. So, how many great things you got happening in your life? So, I want to tell you, I have had some great things happen this week. Some some things that I've been working towards for forty years. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I've got breakthroughs this week. I had a great evening in school, great day in school, I had a great day at the conference yesterday. God interacted with me with that. Do you understand? I, I've faced trouble this week. But I prefer to face it with God. There's that, that song, actually, you know. I like that song. He, he's gone, he's fighting my wars even before. 
So, yeah, great. Yeah, with God, you see, I'm, I'm undefeatable. So last Sunday, we're going down, down there, and I was like, I'm processing the water. Oh my goodness, I've got to rearrange things. The first thing I, I, I this is how I, live my life. first thing I think at this moment, what I need is actually peace. Yeah? So I need peace rather than worry. Worry's not helpful. Anxiety, panic, you know, life will throw you all sorts of curveballs. But peace is probably the most, one of the most important things you can, you can have in life because it actually tells you that when you go out to give stuff into the world, what do you give out? You give your peace to people. So if you haven't got it in the first place, it's very difficult to reach the world with peace. So I thought, right, so, so where do I find peace? What, what lens do I need to look through? Well, I need to look through the lens of actually I've got the Prince of Peace. And actually he lives in me. So my internal reality is much stronger than my external. He who's in me is greater than he who's in the world. You see? So, so this, is, this is my perspective. So, okay, I've got a peace that can pass all understanding. And it's not some, I don't, I'm just telling you how I did this. I don't try and get it in. I just know it's already in and I let it flow out. Now, what the devil's going to try and do, he's going to try and bung up your river by throwing rocks in it, all sorts of stuff. And it can be very sort of accusation, condemnation, guilt, you know, worry. Worry worry's a massive rock. He throws that in. If he can get a lot of worry rocks in there, he's really very successful at, at, at making your river less obvious. You know what I'm talking about when you've got a river? Jesus said, I'm going to put a river of living water in you. That means I've got life in me. I've got life. I've got life. That, that is, that is my, so I, that's my perspective. So first thing I think, I, I, I'm just going to get peace. Now I'm organizing. I'm chatting with Kim. We've got, we've got to reorganize life. But in the middle of all this, I think, you know what? I think, I, I, I concentrate. I, I, I think, I put into m- my mind, whew, thank you, Jesus. You're the Prince of Peace. Wow, this is great. And I'm living in peace. And then joy follows. Now I'm not happy about the circumstance. It's not that I'm rejoicing because of the circumstance, yeah? But I can rejoice in the circumstance. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. So that choice to rejoice is a big one. I'll say that again. You see, whether you rejoice is your choice. So whether you rejoice is your choice. It's not dependent on your circumstances. Your circumstances might scream at you. You have, why are you rejoicing? I'm rejoicing because I've got God of joy inside me. And he's got more than enough joy. Okay. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. So how did these guys view themselves? As grasshoppers. What's a grasshopper? Well... That is easily crushed. Insignificant. It can be a bit of a pest. But nothing that's going to stand up to a giant. How true is their perspective? Well, let, let's, let's go on to Joshua chapter 2. But before we actually look at that, that perspective, their perspective, how many people did that perspective effect yeah literally millions of people how many people lost their destiny because of that perspective on life 
whole nation, a whole generation of a nation lost their destiny. They lost the opportunity to enjoy the land of milk and honey, the, the land overflowing. Why? Because of that perspective. That's how powerful it is. Particularly if you lead anything, the perspective you bring to leadership is vitally, vitally important. And I want to tell you, I'm determined, we're not going there. <laughs> I'm not a grasshopper. I've never believed I was in the first place. I'm a mighty warrior. I've got God inside me. I'm undefeatable. So for 40 years, now, did God stay with them through that 40 years? He was faithful. This is just manna, quail, clothes that didn't wear out, fire at night, cloud by day. It's just an extraordinary story. It's still of God with them. The goodness of God, the grace of God poured upon them, but they missed their destiny. And sometimes people mistake the grace of God for the destiny of God. The grace of God does not necessarily mean you're living in the destiny that he has for you. So we get to Joshua chapter 2. It says, <clears throat> now this is the story. This is the next bunch of spies who go into the land, yeah? Forty years on. They meet a lady called Rahab. Hopefully you're familiar with the story. And this is, what, this is how it goes. It says, before the spies laid down for the night, Rahab went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. That's a kind of different perspective. Listen, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. How long ago did that happen? Forty years. Forty years. Forty years, these people have been quaking in their boots while the Israelites think they're grasshoppers. See, these people had a better understanding, they have a better perspective on what God had done than the Israelites did. It's shocking. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to dare to go there. Do you know, sometimes I've got non-Christians who've got a far better perspective on what God's doing than Christians. Tell them stories, they go, that's amazing. Wow. More rather than... Well, I don't, God didn't know you when I prayed. No, no. <laughs> we have amazing stories. Okay. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. What an amazing statement. So how do you see things? How do you see the world? What's our job? Our job's here to change the world. Bring the good news. How far is that going to go? I think Jesus something said about all the nations of the earth. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. That's what we're involved in. You know, the promises that we have from God for, for this, this particular context, you know, within Ebsfleet Garden City, with Eastgate to the city. 
the context we have for heaven in healthcare with, with, with other things that are going on with our school, living fire. Just going to say, you know, with a supernatural school. The reason we, we have the supernatural school is because of angelic encounters and God's calling upon our lives. It's not just an idea. It's, it's, it's specifically lined up with the purposes of heaven to help create beachheads for freedom so that we can have freedom breaking out across a whole continent. Spiritual freedom is, is, is so, so important. But if you don't think you're free, you won't live free. That's why that song's so powerful. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Isn't that a powerful song? It's not just a good song. It's a God song. That has God's anointing on it. And everywhere I go, that song is, is sung. It, it, it is doing something. So what are you no longer a slave to? Fear. So what shouldn't you see through the lens of? Fear. What's anxiety? Fear. So, <clears throat> a little bit of practice for you. I've got a couple of minutes on this. Raise yourself standing in this sort of central place. What's going to knock on your door tomorrow? Trouble. Okay? So what are you going to do with it? Well, you can have a good stare at it. Man, that is trouble. That, that, it just seems to be getting bigger the longer I look at it. That's, that's, well, that's real trouble. Man, you should just, well, the trouble we had from last week. Man, I'm, oh, goodness me, this is, oh, oh, man. Anybody else want to come and join me in my trouble? Because this is, you know, we'll have a prayer meeting here somewhere. We'll camp around this and sort of see, see, if we can, see if we can all get troubled by this trouble. There's, oh, really, oh, this is so massive. I do need some other people to jump in here with me because this is, oh, yeah, trouble. Or I can look at that and think, hmm, okay. That's an opportunity to grow today then. Why? Because I can put my faith over that. This is an opportunity for me to grow and improve God. Why? Because actually, yep, that's that's a reality. That's my reality check. What's my greater reality? God, yeah. So I live here, and who he was in me, greater than that. I, I, I subject the resources of what I have here to sort that out. Does that make sense to you? That's how I live. That's how we should live. You don't get the resources of heaven in your troubles. You get the resources of heaven by connecting to God, who then gives you enough to overcome whatever trouble comes your way. But we're not just doing this for our own personal benefit. We're doing this to actually... So we're ready to be world changers. So, let me ask you a question. Coming into land is, do you see yourself as a world changer? Do you see yourself as powerful? Do you see yourself as significant? So, look around the room right now. How many people are you lining up alongside to change the world? How powerful are we together? Powerful. If I'm undefeatable on my own, imagine what we can do together. You're not on your own. That's another, that's another lens that is often easy to see through. I'm just, it's just me. Nobody, nobody understands. Well, I've got troubles. You'd never, I know you'd never understand it. I just want to, no, we all have troubles. I'm not trying to compare them. It doesn't matter. It's not who's got bigger ones. It's, it's, it's real. You're not on your own. 
we're in this together. And together we can change nations. So we're going to, let's stand and we're going to pray. Do you know you can stand right next to Jesus and not know it? Just, just like Kim was standing next to Nelson Mandela. <laughs> Father, we choose to look from the perspective of heaven. Thank you that we are seated with you in heavenly places. Thank you that you are with us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Thank you that we have a river inside of us. And we choose to live from the perspective of heaven towards earth. And we say, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.